Thank you for that wonderful time of worship. It always kind of almost tears me up when uh, we sing that song, By His Wounds We Were Healed, and you, you think upon those, those uh, sins that uh, the price was paid for on the cross of Calvary. Well, let's go to the Lord and have a word of prayer, and uh, we'll... get started here. Father in heaven, thank you for your great mercies and for uh, your love that has been uh, given to us as your people uh, in that Christ went to the cross of Calvary and bore our sins there, past, present, and future, that uh, your great love for us uh, as your people uh, freed us from the bondage and slavery and death of sin uh, to give new life to us as your people and that you would uh, love us so much to have created us and redeemed us and brought us into your family. Uh, We give thanks this morning and praise to you. Lord God, we acknowledge the the weakness of our flesh and we uh, ask, Father, for your mercies and the ministry of your spirit and the spirit of Christ Jesus to instruct and guide and teach us as we look into your word. Open our hearts to those things which you would speak to us as your people and uh, burn it into our hearts and lives that we may order our steps in accordance with your word. And let the words of our mouth and the meditation of our heart be acceptable in your sight, O God. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So thank you for being with us this morning. We're delighted that you could be here. We're uh, just uh, blessed with all that God has done. Uh, I uh, spoke to you last week in regard to a sermon this week. It's going to be over one verse. uh, Verse uh, chapter 8, Romans chapter 8, verse 11. It's such a uh, pinnacle of the grace of God and wonderful truth that that Paul comes to and he's been building all the way through the book of Romans um, to uh, take us to hear the the covenant that was was purchased and and bought and paid for in his blood Uh, and we enjoy uh, this morning fellowship with God our Father and with the Lord Jesus Christ and with one another because of what Christ did for us on the cross of Calvary and for the blessings and the grace uh, that God gave to us uh, through the indwelling of his spirit. And uh, Christ accomplished these things in his work for you on the cross of Calvary. So let's talk about this morning the resurrection power. And I'd like for you to... Um, open your Bibles. I would begin with, uh, again, with verse 24, if we could, of chapter 7, and uh, read through verse 11 and chapter 8 for our passage. Wretched man that I am, who will set me free from the body of this death? Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then, on the one hand, I myself with my mind am serving the law of God, but on the other with my flesh, the law of sin. 
There is therefore, and these need to be connected, don't they? There is therefore no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Though my mind, on the one hand, serves God and wants to serve God, and on the other hand, with my flesh, the law of sin, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. God has delivered us in Christ Jesus. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set you free from the law of sin and death. For what the law could not do, weak as it was through the flesh, God did sending his own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh. And as an offering for sin, he condemned sin in the flesh. It's done away with. In order that the requirements of the law might be fulfilled in us who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. For those who are according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh, but those who are according to the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. For the mind set upon flesh is death, but the mind set upon the Spirit is life and peace. Because the mind set upon the flesh is hostile toward God, for it does not subject itself to the law of God, for it is not even able to do so. And those who are in the flesh cannot please God. However, you are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. If indeed the Spirit of God dwells in you, but if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he does not belong to him. And if Christ is not in you, though the body is dead because of sin, yet the Spirit is alive because of righteousness. But if the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, He who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through His Spirit who dwells in you. May God add His reading to the blessing of His glorious Word. And may this Word... uh, be laid up in our hearts as a treasure in living and walking in the Christian life. So let's consider resurrection power. It's it's kind of the second part of of our studies there in chapter 8 from verses 9 through 11, just those three verses we looked at. But we asked the question, how does God set us free from the body of this sin and death? We find in in verse... uh, Romans 7:24 wretched man that I am who will set me free from the body of this death and we talked about that conflict between the flesh and the spirit and and the the battle that takes takes place the flesh wars against the spirit and the spirit wars against the flesh for every believer this is what we're assigned to in the Christian life and God has uh, supplied through Christ Jesus victory over that sin and death. And uh, he has answered uh, the issue there. So how does God set us free from this body of sin and death? The Christian is not in the flesh, but in the spirit. Look at verse 9 there in your, your Bibles or your devices. However, you are not in the flesh, but in the spirit. If indeed the Spirit of God dwells in you, but if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he does not belong to him. So if you've been born again, 
then the scripture says that you are not in the flesh, but in the spirit. The Christian is not in the flesh, but in the spirit. Now, I, I went to a, a verse here in the Old Testament, Genesis 7:23, And Genesis 7:23 had uh, this to say about Noah and his ark. Thus he blotted out every living thing that was upon the face of the earth, face of the land, from man to animals and creeping things, and to birds and the sky, and they were blotted out from the earth, and only Noah was left together with those that were with him in the ark. So there were eight beings in the ark. But notice the phrase, the, the, the little thing here, in the ark. And I wanted to use this example and this illustration of, of what uh, Paul is, is uh, speaking of here in Romans chapter 8 and verse 9. That you are not in the flesh any longer, but you are now in the Spirit. And if we, if we take this beautiful illustration of the ark and the wrath of God that was poured out upon the face of the earth, and in this ark was refuge. Uh, it was the only refuge. It was the only place where one could be safe from the coming wrath of God was to be in the ark. And to be in Christ Jesus means that you have been born again. That you are in, not in the flesh any longer, but you are now in Christ Jesus you have been baptized into his death. You have been baptized into the, the death of the Lord Jesus Christ. You are secured in that provision that has been made and that security that God has given. You are now in Christ Jesus. So there is therefore no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Isn't that a great illustration? I mean, we're in Christ we're in the security of, of that place of, of having been baptized into Christ's death. It's the only secure place from the coming wrath of God. It was the only secure place from the, the reality that the wages of our sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. We're secure in Him. There is therefore no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And then we look and consider the Spirit dwells permanently in that person. If you don't have the, the Spirit of God, you're not born again. You're not in Christ. You must be in Christ. You must be in the security that He has supplied. And there's refuge from the wrath of God for the, for the penalty of our sin only in Christ Jesus. In Christ Jesus alone. So the Spirit dwells permanently in Him. Notice it says, if indeed the Spirit of God dwells in you. Uh, the Scripture says that, we're, uh, that we have been, uh, we've been secured by His Spirit that uh, until the day of redemption that we have been uh, filled with, with God's Spirit. He dwells. He lives permanently within us because of Christ Jesus 1 Corinthians 6.19 says, Or do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit? He lives there. He dwells within you. For anyone that's been born again, if you're saved, then the Spirit of God has come permanently 
to indwell you. And you are the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God, and that you are not your own. So we've been, uh, the ownership has been turned over from the God of this world, from the evil one, from Satan himself, who is our father, uh, to, to God the Father. And we've been indwelt by his Holy Spirit. And then the second point we make is that if we do not have a spirit, we are not Christians. The eternal God is a dwelling place. We dwell in God, and God dwells in us. And these are the things that in the covenant that Jesus Christ made, that he determined and the work that he brought about. God is our dwelling place, and underneath are his everlasting arms. Lord Jesus said uh, that, that they can never snatch you out of my hand, and they will never snatch you out of my Father's hand. We are secure in that place in Christ Jesus. So the eternal God is your dwelling place. That ought to put a smile on our faces. Ought to put a zip and a step for our day and for the week ahead, for whatever this world might bring, uh, knowing that God is our dwelling place and that He has come to indwell us by His Spirit and through His Spirit. And that by faith we may know the, the riches and the reality of this eternal life that Jesus Christ has given to us. So we find then in uh, Exodus 33, verse 22, and it will come about while my glory is passing by that I will put you in the cleft of the rock and cover you with my hand until I've passed by. You've been pushed and placed by God in the cleft of the rock, secured in Christ Jesus, uh, secured from harm, uh, secured in a place that is completely secure in Christ Jesus. And so let's look then again at verse 10. If Christ is in you, though the body is dead because of sin, yet the spirit is alive because of righteousness. The body is dead because of sin, and it's a reality. It can't do that which is good. Uh, who can deliver us from this body of, of sin and death and and? On the one hand, I myself with my mind am serving the Lord, the law of God, but on the other with my flesh, the law of sin. And it's not even able to do so, anything more than do what it does. And yet the Spirit of Christ has come to be and dwell within his people. So the body is dead because of sin. Christ's Spirit is in the Christian. Knowing this, that our old self was crucified with him in order that our body of sin might be done away with so that we would no longer be slaves to sin. He has freed you from the bondage of that slavery, the bondage of that sin. And then secondly, the spirit is alive because of righteousness. The spirit is alive because of righteousness. Romans 5.21 says... So that as sin reigneth in death, even so grace would reign through righteousness. Grace, the grace of God reigns through righteousness to eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord and the believer. To one who has been born again. Uh, this is our lot in life as those that have been redeemed by the Lord Jesus Christ. Romans 4, I take you back to some of the things that... that as Paul has developed these things, 
Just as David also speaks of the blessing on the men to whom God credits righteousness apart from works. Blessed are those whose lawless deeds have been forgiven and whose sins have been covered. Blessed is the man whose sin the Lord will not take into account. The Lord doesn't take your sins into his account. By his wounds you were healed. By his wounds. Uh, and, and so uh, the spirit is alive because of righteousness. David said in Psalm 32, and I like this, how blessed is the man whom the Lord does not impute iniquity and whose spirit there is no guile or no deceit. Why? Because there's righteousness there, that, that desire that was in David's heart. He's saying, he's saying uh, God did not impute iniquity to my account and blessed is the man in whose spirit there is no guile. That's interesting to me. So David um, had just hidden his sin with Bathsheba and he's confessing his sin and he is, uh, has just had someone murdered uh, and he's, he's able to say that God does not impute my sin to my account and there's no guile it, blessed is, is the one to whom there's no guile within their spirit. What, is that, what does it mean? And what does it mean when it says that in your spirit, your spirit is alive because of righteousness? And where does that righteousness come from? God made he who knew no sin to become sin on my behalf that I may be made the righteousness of God in him, in Christ Jesus, his imputed righteousness to your account. Is all that you have to stand upon. You don't, uh, just as David had nothing to stand upon, but the, the righteousness that God attributed to him. The Lord is our righteousness. He is our salvation. He is our Savior and our Lord and God. And so, uh, just a, a little bit of review from those two verses to get to verse 11 this morning. But if the spirit of him who raised Jesus Christ from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies. I like the way the King James says, he'll quicken your mortal bodies. He'll enable you. He'll empower you. That spirit that raised Jesus Christ from the dead, through his spirit who indwells you, that spirit that has come to indwell the believer is there for the glory of God and for the benefit of that believer. So the Spirit has the power to quicken or to make alive the, the dead mortal body. That Spirit, and this is the key when we talk about sanctification, what it means to live the Christian life. Because you're going to find that in your flesh you're going to fail. Time and time and again. And that's part of the process of sanctification, that there is a continual death to flesh, death to self, death to personal ego, that the glory of God, that the power of God may be manifested in the believer. Uh, this is the truth, the reality of the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's the reality of the simple principle that it is, is Christ in you that is the hope of glory. That God is your salvation. That he is your hope. 
that he is your power and grace that has been given to you. He quickens our mortal bodies through that spirit that when you were born again, he permanently came to indwell you as God's child. So, uh, so we look at this quickening spirit and then we find that the spirit has power. This spirit, the same spirit, think about it. And meditate upon this truth and this reality. The same spirit that raised up Jesus Christ from the dead. That spirit that had that power. And I put this verse here because when he had considered this, this is from Matthew 1.20. When he had considered this, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream saying, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife. For the child who has been conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. God is able. He's able to bring life. He was able, the spirit, this same spirit that raised up Jesus Christ from the dead is the same spirit that conceived in Mary. It's miraculous. The scripture tells us that, that God gives uh, life to those who are dead and he brings into existence those things that did not exist. Isn't that something? God is able, and he's miraculous, and he's powerful. And the Spirit of God that raised up Jesus Christ from the dead dwells in you. Are, are, are we really aware of this? I mean, this Spirit that raised up Christ Jesus from the dead dwells within us. That same power. And that's where the power for sanctification for the believer in the Lord Jesus Christ comes from. It doesn't come from improving self. It doesn't come from the flesh. It's not something innately within you. It's not something that you personally can obtain. God is your Savior. The Lord Jesus Christ. That Spirit that had the power to conceive the Son of God in the Virgin Mary to come and dwell upon earth, that same Spirit that conceived, that empowered Christ, that raised Christ from the dead dwells in you. That's an awesome thing. That is something that we need to take home and, uh, uh, as some people say, put in your pipe and smoke it. You know, I mean, we need to feed upon the reality of this wonderful truth that God has given us in His Word. So, secondly, the Spirit dwells in the Christian. He's there. In uh, John 14, 17, Jesus, and, and he, was, he was unfolding the new covenant. This is the covenant in my blood. And it was the purpose for which the Lord Jesus was conceived of a virgin. It was the purpose for which he, he worked miracles and performed signs and did so many marvelous and wonderful things that we might give glory to God. It was the purpose for which he came was that he might, uh, by his blood, heal us from our sin, from the death of our sin. The spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him for he dwells with you and he will be in you. Now that tells me that in, the, in the, the Old Testament, that in the Gospels, that believers, that the Spirit dwells with them and that, the, the, that they knew the Spirit of God. They were familiar with the Spirit of God. 
But they didn't have something, and that that they didn't have was that Spirit of God dwelling in them. What you have this morning, they did not have up until that point in time when Jesus Christ was not only resurrected from the dead, but ascended and seated at the right hand of the Father. And at Pentecost, the Holy Spirit was sent to indwell mankind, those that would believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, those who would be born again. They would permanently be indwelt. The Spirit indwells the Christian. And that Spirit is unlimited, absolutely unlimited in power. Think about the ramifications, the implications of what that means. That means that, and you just have to ask, what? What hinders me? What can possibly hinder us if this kind of power by the grace and the Spirit and, and, and the plan of God has been given to the believer? What's wrong with me? <laughs> Why is it that that we, we do not lay hold of this wonderful truth. And we'll get to that. We'll, we want to talk about that and think about that. Uh, and think about the implications of what it means is if, if we as believers by faith lay hold of that grace that God has given to us. The Spirit is able to give life to mortal bodies. He's able to sanctify you. He's able to do what you cannot do for yourself. He's able to save you to the uttermost. He is able to sanctify the Christian. And sanctify, to make alive means to, to revitalize or, or uh, you know, um, the, the word for, for life is, is vivify um, uh, in, in the Latin. He's able to quicken. He's able to make it alive. He's able to make, God is able to make your, 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 your fleshly body alive by faith to righteousness, to the nature of Jesus Christ, to the person of Jesus Christ, to do what we could not do. That was God's plan. It's His purpose. Uh, so, uh, Philippians 3, the Spirit is able to give life to the mortal bodies. And Philippians 3, verses 20 and 21 says, For our citizenship is in heaven, from which we also eagerly wait for a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform the body of our humble state into conformity with His body, or with the body of His glory. Uh, that's God's plan for you. By the exertion of the power that he has even to subject all things to himself. Jesus has been given dominion. All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Not only to save you from the penalty of your sin, but to deliver you from the power of that sin over our lives. And I read to you the quote. I want to read it to you again. I gave it to you. Uh, last week, I think, or week before. The Holy Spirit longs to reveal to you the deeper things of God. He longs to love through you. He longs to work through you. Through the blessed Holy Spirit, you may have strength for every duty, wisdom for every problem, comfort in every sorrow, joy 
in his overflowing service. That's what the Spirit of God desires to do through the people of God. He longs to do it. So we, we, again, we ask the question, well, what's, what hinders my Christian life? Why are these things? But I just want to say this. There's, there's two great assurances that we have for this, this, uh, uh, this glorious day, the blessed hope that we have as believers there's a blessed hope that we have that when Jesus comes and he appears that we will be like him. As it says here in Philippians 3, uh, 20, that the Lord Jesus who will transform our body of our humble state into conformity with the body of his glory. There will be uh, a glorified state for every believer. Uh, that, that resurrection that Jesus promised, that this mortality will put on immortality, that the glory of what Christ has done and the full glory will be known in that day of blessed hope when the Lord Jesus. Notice how it uses the Trinity here. So the Holy Spirit raises us from the dead. The Lord Jesus will transform our body. And, and then uh, it's true as well uh, that according to Acts chapter 5 and verse 30, the God of our fathers raised up Jesus was it the Holy Spirit that raised up Jesus, or was it God the Father? Um, is it Jesus that's going to transform the body? And he said, I'm, I will raise you up on the last day. So that's a beautiful picture and description of the Trinity of God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. They work in concert. They're one. Jesus said, I and the Father are one. And we have demonstration of God as one. In the resurrection of the believer, in the resurrection, in the power of God. <clears throat> it is the display of, of God's power and God's grace to God's people through God's word. There's two great assurances that we have of our resurrection. Number one is the resurrection of Jesus Christ. We ought to think about the resurrection of Christ often, frequently, daily, Moment by moment, because that's the reality of, the, of the, the power of God and the promise of God and the reality that we have something that's more than, than what we know here as God's people. And then the second point thing is the indwelling Holy Spirit. These are the assurances that you have. Uh, and of course you have, and I would add to that, of course, Christ's word, I will raise you up on the last day. I mean, what more do we need? What more do we need? But we have these great assurances in these verses of the promise of God's eternal life and the resurrection of the, of the, the human body that God created. Uh, and, th and that resurrection body is a body of glory, not of, of sin and death, as we're contending with in these days uh, before we come to Christ. The Trinity of God is, is shown and displayed here. God gives life to the dead. And he calls into being that which does not exist. That comes from, from uh, Romans chapter 4 verses 17. Where it's speaking about, a uh, about Abraham, right? Because Abraham, remember, he, he looked upon uh, his experience... He looked upon his circumstances, and God said, I'm going to make you 
the father of many nations. And Abraham said, I don't have a son, and I'm a hundred years old. What are you talking about? And yet he believed God, and it was counted to him for righteousness. God is able to bring into existence that which does not exist. Is God's word true? Are we not here as the children of Abraham this very morning? And to the ends of the earth, God's word is true. How much did Abraham see? Well, he did get to see his son, Isaac, uh, the one who was the promised seed through whom these nations and these things were were going to come. Uh, And yet he was told that his family would be sent into Egypt for 400 years. Well, that's something that, that Abraham never saw. But the scripture tells us that against hope he believed in hope. What does all that mean? It simply means, and and what Paul has built for us here, is that we've been given access by faith into this grace wherein we stand. And that access into that grace for sanctification, for living the Christian life, for all that involves the Christian life, is that it's, it's experience. We know it by faith. Abraham knew it by faith. He knew the promises of God by faith. You must know the promises of God by faith. Well, what does that mean? Things don't always look as they appear, do they? God gives life to the dead. Well, you know, why is it that I struggle so much in living the Christian life? Why is it that I find so much failure in it? Because out of death, God brings life. And it's the the spiritual principle that when we die to self... The life of Christ is manifested in us. The power of God is made manifest in our weakness. The principle is there in Scripture, and it's it's abundantly clear to us in Scripture if we uh, look in regard to what the Word says. God calls into existence or into being that which does not exist, and you can count on it. Why? Because it's His Word. And what does it mean to walk by faith? It means to believe. Uh, Faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. Abraham didn't see it. And you won't get to see many things as well. But you can always know that reality is God's word and not some other way around. Sometimes and often uh, we we deal with uh, the word of faith movement and, and many variations and and. Uh, misgivings in regard to the Christian life. And uh, and so we see faith as we simply believe something into existence. But that's not faith, is it? Faith is believing the Word of God and trusting in the person and character of God, relying dependently upon the Lord our God for for God to be our Savior, for God to do, to bring into being that which did not exist. And that's the power of God. Think about it. As believers, it's solely dependent upon how much we believe in the Word of God as to how much of the miraculous glory of God we're going to see. We must walk by faith. Uh, by faith in the grace and in the power of God to know the power and the grace of God, right? And so 
to connect with God's will and to uh, completely dismiss our egos and our self and the desire to, to rub the, the lamp of the genie to get God to do what we think ought to be done but to completely walk by faith in regard to God's will and His Word and believe and, and trust in the Lord our God, to trust in His will and to recognize that He doesn't always let us know exactly what His will is and His timing as to when He's going to do that will. So what are believers called to do? We're called to wait upon God, to trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not into your own understanding. Because our own understanding is fallible, but God's understanding is not fallible. In all your ways acknowledge Him, and He will direct your paths. Be not wise in your own eyes, but fear the Lord and depart from evil. What a word for us this morning. Fear the Lord, depart from evil, realize that you don't know all things. God knows all things. God is judge, you are not. God is righteous, and we are fallible, and we can entrust ourselves to him who judges justly uh, to do all things gloriously. And we may see his glory if by faith we walk uh, with the Lord Jesus Christ. We'll bring you to a fourth point here. The Holy Spirit has power to set us free from the body of this sin and death. He will set you free. He will set you, if you get set in righteousness, if, if you pursue righteousness, God will be the one that, that, that brings about these things in your life. He has, and His Spirit has the power to set us free from this body of sin and death. We do not have the power to set ourselves free from this body of sin and death. The flesh will war against our spirit, the spirit that Christ has given to us, the spirit that has come to permanently indwell us, and that spirit will win in Christ Jesus when we walk by faith in the grace that God has supplied to us. You know why I know that? Because His Word says it. He's given to us all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. He's given us all things, granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness. They're found in Christ Jesus. He's given to us great, He's granted to us these great and precious promises whereby we might know uh, and, and, and be partakers of the, uh, of the divine nature, the nature of God. We can know righteousness because righteousness indwells the believer through Christ Jesus and through His Spirit. So how do we know it? We have access by faith into this grace wherein we stand. Remember how, how Paul has built this, how the Holy Spirit has built this, this beautiful and wonderful truth to us by whom we have access by faith into this grace wherein we stand and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. We may see the glory of God. We may know the power of God. We may know the miraculous power of God. We may know the transforming power of God for our hearts and our lives, for our families, for our church, uh, for all things. If we believe and lay hold of the will of God and access by faith into that grace that has been given to us in Jesus Christ. Remember, uh, therefore... 
um, we have, uh, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom we have access by faith into this grace wherein we stand. And we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. We rejoice in hope of the glory of God. How much will we see of it? How much will we see of the glory of God as believers in the Lord Jesus Christ? Well, it's dependent upon what? Faith in the grace that God has supplied for us, for he's our Savior. He's the one that's able. We have access by faith into that grace. We believe God, and it is counted to us as righteousness. So how? Uh, by faith, we believe God. We, by faith, we receive God's righteousness, both in justification and in sanctification. Have you received Christ Jesus, so walk ye in him. This is the, the key. This is how we know the righteousness, the Lord our righteousness. By faith, it's his righteousness. By faith, uh, out of our weakness, the glory of God, the power of God is made manifest in our lives. Out of uh, our death to self, the life of Jesus is manifested in the believer. It's Christ in you, the hope of glory. Isn't that glorious? It's not up to you. It's not by your power. It's by faith in the power of the one who is able. The power of the one who is able to raise up Jesus from the dead. The power of the one that is able to bring into being that which does not exist. We believe God and it's counted to him for righteousness. So what does the scripture say? Well, it says that it was accounted to Abraham for righteousness. And so it was to us. So God's mighty power uh, works his will within us. It's God's power. So it's good for you to be discouraged with the reality that you can't save yourself. It's good for you to, to realize quickly that out of our brokenness, the power of God is manifest. That's what Paul, the Apostle Paul said, wasn't it? So, but when I am weak... And I am strong, made strong, that out of my weakness the power of God is manifested. Uh, his strength is made perfect in my weakness. So, you know, it's, it's contrary to the way we think and feel. It's contrary to, uh, to how we would, would feel about things. But the scripture says, the Apostle Paul said that that, that thorn in his flesh was actually a blessing from God because out of it he knew God's power and he understood his broken weakness. And, and I think Paul was a man of action. He was a man of activity, wasn't he? He was a man that, that knew how to lay his hands to things and get things done. He had, had uh, many accolades in the flesh, he, kept, he said, in, according to Philippians chapter 3. Man, I did these things. I was born in this, and I, I had all of these things to boast in. But I take no confidence in the flesh. That's what the Apostle Paul said. He learned a big lesson there. I pray that, that my, our brethren here at Grace Bible Church, that we may learn that lesson, that, that we're not to take confidence in the flesh, but to know the power of God at work within us. It's His power. It works within us according to Ephesians 3, 20. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly beyond all that we ask 
or think according to the power that works within us. That's, that's where our hope is. It is God our Savior. It is His power. It is His grace. God is able. A fourth point, fight your sanctification battles in Christ's name. I thought, okay, faith, what does that mean? Okay, I know that I've got to, uh, to, to in order to know the power of God, it's, 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 it's based upon God doing something through me. So, so what, what do I do? What's my part? Because here I am uh, walking and stumbling through most of my Christian life, uh, much of the time in the energy of the flesh trying to do uh, to make myself presentable to God, trying to know the parameters whereby I might avoid those big pitfalls of sin and, and corruption and failure, that's, that res, the junk that resides in my flesh and resides in my heart. And, and so you're trying to make your way through those things. What do we do? How do we know the power of God? And how do we fight uh, our sanctification battles in Christ's name? And, and that key is, is faith. And we've seen demonstrations of faith, right, in, in the Old Testament. You remember David? He said to the Philistine, You come to me with a sword and with a spear and a javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts. Name of the Lord of the hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have taunted. Okay? So why was it that this, and I, I, I loved and wanted to use this example because, uh, because this is a, a teenager, probably. David was probably in his teenage years. Uh, the armies of Israel were fearful to, to face Goliath. What was it in David uh, that, that brought this man, uh, or this teenager, we could say, out to face a, a veteran warrior, a giant of a man. And, and what is it that was in David uh, that, uh, th- that God brought into his existence, that impossibility, the, impossible, uh, uh, the impossibilities of, of a teenager taking on a veteran Goliath joint, giant warrior. I come to you, in the name of the Lord of hosts. Uh, that's where our battles are fought. We come, and, and, and what is the, 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 the word name? What does that mean? It means reputation, right? Uh, the name of the Lord our God. We, we pray in the name of Jesus, uh, in the authority of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, uh, in, the, in, the, uh, in the glory of his name, in the power of his name. Uh, that's what... Um, David, David did. He said, uh, uh, and 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 uh, he said earlier that uh, God delivered me from the paw of the lion and the bear, and He'll deliver me from this uh, this enemy of Israel. While other men trembled, there was one that had faith. While a whole nation of warriors trembled, there was one who had faith. What is the power of faith? What is, the, what is the, the opportunity that you or I have if we may just 
trust and believe God. We lay hold of his, his will and his promises. What miracles is it possible for, for you, uh, for your children, uh, for your grandchildren to see? If we can see that faith, that kind of faith in the Lord our God. That's what we need. We need to grow in faith. We need to grow in our relationship with God and knowing His power and our brokenness, His salvation and our inability in and of ourselves that we may know Him and trust Him. But notice that the will of David is set. His will is set upon His knowledge of God's covenant, of God's word. His will is set to know that I mean, he made a decision. I'm willing to go here and do this uh, at the risk of my own life because God is great. And the glory of God should go, should go forth. It should sign. And, and what should we do as God's people in, in regard to these things? You know, I, 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 you know perhaps some, God has called you in some field whether it's business or maybe a doctor or maybe uh, maybe God's calling you to be a, a politician or maybe God's calling you to be whatever it is that God is calling each one of us to be. What would it be and what would it mean if we, if we approached God's calling for our lives with that uh, faith that David had? That faith that has been uh, demonstrated for us in Scripture. What kind of kind of change? What kind of miracles? What kind of of the glory of God might we see in every and any field of life uh, here on planet Earth if we just believe God and trust in His Word and laid hold of the covenant uh, that and the Word that God has given to us. I had one other uh, passage here. Uh, God's will and power is all that faith needs for victory. It's all we need. Just trust in, in first of all, it, whether it's God's will or not, because we can wish things in existence and, <coughs> and it means nothing. Be not wise in your own eyes, but fear the Lord and depart from evil. <coughs> and the way to do that is that by faith we embrace the promises, the will of God, the plan of God, the purpose of God. And in that we know the power of God and we may with great confidence and assurance when our will is the same as God's will to know the power of God. <coughs> and Jonathan, <coughs> excuse me, Saul's son, <coughs> demonstrated an incredible principle for us in Scripture in regard to faith. And he said to his armor bearer, as the Philistine army was across, uh, they were across this valley and, and they were uh, there on the other side of this cliff. And Jonathan looks at his armor bearer and he says, come, let us go over to the garrison of these uncircumcised Philistines. It may be that the Lord will work for us. Jonathan didn't know. He simply expressed faith, right? And he says, for there's no restraint with the Lord to save by many or by few. Uh, 
do you believe that? Do I believe that? Well, sometimes maybe a little bit here and there. But what if we really believed it? <clears throat> what if we, if we really <clears throat> looked at our world and looked at our life through the promises, through the lens of Scripture, through what God has given to us in His Word? What if we did that as God's people? What if Grace Bible Church had such a vision? What if, if God were to raise up someone uh, here in Grace Bible Church that would go over to that campus and we would see those 40,000, uh, a revival on a, a secular college campus? Uh, what, what would happen if, if, if we had a vision and a dream uh, that, that's God-given, uh, and we're, we're willing by faith to step out and, and do such things as God would call us to. Uh, what if we presented our bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God as a reasonable service, and with faith we looked upon the mundane things of our daily lives and, and, and we looked upon it with, with great vigilance and diligence and energy because the Spirit of God has made us alive. And the Spirit of God has empowered us to embrace life and embrace God's will and embrace God's purposes and to know that God is doing something. He's bringing into existence and bringing into being something that did not exist because He's able and I believe Him. Uh, what would it mean for us as God's people if we served God with all of our heart and we looked with eyes uh, with a vision for, for the great things that God and God alone could do. May it be so amongst his people. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, how quickly we forget that you are God and you give life to the dead and you call into being that which does not exist. You are able to do great and mighty things which we do not know and would not conceive of knowing, but you are able to do exceeding and abundantly above all that we ask or think according to your power that works within each one of us. Have you not declared in your word that the eyes of the Lord roamed throughout the earth to show yourself strong for those who are wholeheartedly devoted to you? Grant to us faith that your glory may be displayed for a lost world to see whether it would be the fellowship of the sufferings of Christ Jesus or display of the glories of the kingdom of God. Honor the name of your Son, our Lord Jesus Christ, that we may honor him with our faith in you, our Lord and our God. Raise up men and women of faith, or perhaps it will be a teenager like David, or a young man like Jonathan, or perhaps it will be the faith of a little child. We believe you, O oh God. Help our unbelief. Strengthen our faith. Grow our faith as your people. Raise up these beautiful children to be wholly given to the pursuit of the glory of Christ Jesus our Lord. We raise our eyes toward heaven. Let reason be given to us. And may we bless you, the Most High, and praise and honor you who live forever. For your dominion is an everlasting dominion, and your kingdom endures from one generation to the next generation. 
And all the inhabitants of the earth are accounted as nothing, but you do according to your will in the host of heaven and amongst the inhabitants of the earth. May we know your will, Lord. No one can ward off your hand or say to you, what have you done? We praise and exalt and honor you, the King of heaven, for all your works are true and your ways are just, and you are able to humble those who walk in pride. Work your justice in your world and in our day, O Lord. And consider those rulers who take their stand and counsel against you and against our Lord Jesus Christ, saying, Let us violate the authority of God's word and throw off God's restrictions on our corrupt and our corruption, upon our greed and upon our lust. Great are you, O Lord and highly to be praised, and your greatness is unsearchable. One generation shall praise your works to another and shall declare your mighty acts. Let your thoughts and let our thoughts uh, be your thoughts. Let our thoughts meditate on your wonderful works and upon the glorious splendor of your majesty. Enlighten the eyes of our hearts. May we know the hope of your calling May we know the riches of the glory of your inheritance in the saints. And may we know the surpassing greatness of your power toward us who believe. May your limitless, all-powerful will never be limited by our unbelief or by our vain and fleshly look toward the passing pleasures of sin. But give faith to your people, O God. And pray in the name of Jesus and for his glory. Amen.